Good afternoon and welcome to Dog Talk. I'm Dan Camilleri. And I'm Laura McKillop. We'd like to start by thanking Juro for their ongoing support with bringing you our live weekly Q&As. Tonight we're not fortunate enough to be speaking with Chris Stapleton uh, from Capri Stud. Chris will be picking who he thinks has asked the best question of the night and they will win a bag of Enduro Plus, high energy food for working dogs with real kangaroo meat. Evening, Chris, how are you going? Yeah, good evening. Good evening, everyone. Uh, how's, how's your day been, mate? Oh, it's been pretty easy today. I've had a bit of a slack day. <laughs> That's good to hear. Uh, so tell us a bit about yourself. Um, yeah, um, I'm a farmer. Um, got a property at Newbridge between Blaney and Bathurst and yeah, I run the whole Merinos and Angus cattle and breed a few dogs on the side. Uh, yeah, I just, uh, I've had a connection with dogs since I was uh, um, very young um, and uh, broke my first dog in when I was about eight, I reckon. And uh, I've had a continuous um, connection with dogs and especially Kelpie since then. What was that first dog, mate? Uh, he was a dog. I shouldn't probably, it's not politically correct these days, but his name was Nigger. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> he was a pup that a drover had given me. And uh, yeah, he was, a, he was a useful dog. Um, I didn't know too much about training dogs when, at that age. And uh, yeah, but he turned out to be quite a useful dog. So we and learned- Was he a Kelpie? He was a crossbred Kelpie, a long haired black dog. And yeah, pretty lovely natured dog, but he didn't have a lot of natural ability. Uh, well, he didn't, have, he didn't have a lot of uh, uh, class, let's put it that way, but he had a, lot of, he had a lot of enthusiasm. So have you always been around that area? Yeah, I have. I was yep. uh, originally um, came from just about 50 kilometres away and I've, I've lived and worked and owned land sort of in this area all my life. Tell us a bit about the country that you're working on and does it require a particular type of dog? Uh, the country that I have now is uh, is very easy compared to what I grew up on, uh, which was Abercrombie Hills, very steep and uh, a lot of timbered country and the sheep were, were uh, pretty wild and hard to muster and things. And yeah, I, I, so I, I grew up with a need for dogs that could uh, work hilly country and uh, yeah, and still do. We ran quite a few cattle as I developed the place. And so I needed dogs that could do uh, mustering work, sheep and cattle and, and yeah. And I always, I, I always liked a dog that uh, could do everything. I liked, I liked the dog that uh, could work cattle, work sheep, work the yard, work the paddock. And, and I always uh, aimed to, Try and breed that type of dog. So, yeah. But these days, with my place here at Newbridge, it's it's smaller paddocks and not so steep, and makes life a bit easier. And I don't need quite that uh, the, the type of dog I needed uh, when I was down there. But uh, I still I still like a, a good dog that thinks for himself and can do the job. And. Uh... In Abercrombie, where you are now, mate, they'd have to handle the cold pretty well as well. Oh, yeah, it's uh, even like where I lived 
uh, when we had country and I managed the property down there, it was uh, it was actually much warmer than it is here when we moved over to New Bridge. It's quite a bit higher and a fair bit colder. How how do they go in those early snowy mornings, mate? They get up all right. And get into it. <laughs> they get up better than I do. <laughs> So your passion, um, you said you trained dogs, so you got your first dog at eight. Where did your passion for livestock come from? I always never ever wanted to be anything else, only a farmer. Yep. <laughs> I can remember following my father around. He used to walk around the stock and I'd be a couple of steps behind him and always, uh, yeah, always never ever wanted to be anything else except a farmer and always liked sheep and cattle and working livestock and, and I'd had a real uh, passion for dogs uh, so yeah just uh, that, that grew and hasn't really changed wouldn't feel like a day of work in your life then if you're enjoying it that's right yeah i probably put in a few long days but uh, when you when you do something that you like and uh, yeah it's never really been a chore to me to get up and do a day's work i always always liked what i did so a lot of people envy that mate <laughs> a lot of people think I'm mad, but <laughs> <laughs> could you do your job without the dogs? Do you reckon? No, no, I couldn't have done. I couldn't have looked after the country, the, the type of country that I uh, looked after, without dogs that could do the job. And uh, and I've always, I've always liked dogs to do do the work, and not. Uh, or, I used to use horses a lot on, on uh, the other place and I never ever <coughs> felt that I had to help the dogs. I always, if I had a task to do, I liked the dogs to do it. I didn't get on the motorbike and do the work for them. Uh, I hate motorbikes. <laughs> <laughs> I like dogs that can, that, that can do, do jobs that when you set a job, uh, I like dogs that, that have, uh, the ability and the stamina and the want to do them. That's yep. probably that, that's probably been the, my main uh, criteria with my dogs. Uh, I've always, I've I found a couple of dogs that I really liked early uh, when I started to breed kelpies. I tried a lot, but I found some that I liked and their work style and uh, their attitude, and uh, we got on well. And I haven't wavered from that path that I started mm -hmm. on. <laughs> what, were you, what were you looking for when um, you're looking for those particular dogs? Well, I, uh, I, I sort of, um, I, I, like I said, I tried a, I tried a fair few kelpies from um, reputable breeders, and and they didn't always they didn't all suit me uh, yep. for one reason or another, and I. Uh, I stumbled onto some dogs that really took my eye and I liked their work style and liked their attitude and um, and so I stayed on that line and I've stayed pretty close. Any of my dogs today, um, you can look up, pick up a pedigree and I'll have quite a few crosses of my favourite dogs there and, and it's very satisfying to me today to have a litter of pups and put those pups on sheep and see traits of dogs that have been dead for 20 years. 
and I, I can yeah. see things about them and, and I, it's probably that if I've accomplished anything in dog breeding, good or bad, it's, uh, it's been able to maintain a line for 40 odd years of dogs that I like and be able to put a pup in on sheep and, and think, yeah, geez, that looks like, you know, he works similar to that dog and yeah, that was, might be 25 years ago sort of thing. So. Must be a lot, it's a lot easier if you like the dog right to be able to get on with it. Oh, yeah. definitely, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, a lot of people ask me who was my best dog and best is a funny, funny word to me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I've, I, you could count on one hand my best dogs, yep. uh, but they were, they were sort of, uh, I had a connection with them. I've had a lot of good dogs and a lot of talented dogs, but I didn't have a connection with them. Yep. So I've, had, I've had a few that have had, you know, they've been, uh, didn't really own them. You couldn't sell them. They were, they were sort of mates and they were, you had a connection with them. And they yep. always they always tried their best for you. And if you went out to do a job, you were pretty confident you could get it done. Didn't matter whether it was mustering wild cattle out of pines or or uh, tagging little baby lambs and getting a dog to hold you while you tagged, or you know, cross section of jobs. And and best to me is that it was just those few dogs that I had the connection with. Who were, who were those ones that stood out for you? Oh, probably the first one that I had that uh, really showed me how to work stock was uh, Glen Logie Lucky. Yep. She was she was a beautiful dog, um, temperament and and had a load of ability. She she probably had lots of faults that other people saw that I didn't see, but to me, she she encompassed three things that I've always tried to have in my dogs. And that was uh, to be able to cover, to, to be able to hold and drive, um, and more hold and drive than, than that, that cover. The cover is uh, tied up with that um, being able to drive, like hold the sheep together and drive them. That's one criteria that I really like. And uh, the other one is, uh, yeah, temperament. Just uh, being able to relate to to you, and um, it's about respect. And if if a dog um, to 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 be a good work dog, he has to respect the handler. But to be a, a best dog, he has to like and respect you, and that's the difference. So yeah, that's so those those dogs that I like the best that have. Uh, that I call my best dog were probably, they all had those three things. They had, had hold and drive yep. and they had respect and they liked me. And I liked them so, and uh, they were probably lucky and watch and an old boss. Uh, yep. He was a great dog. He's almost human, that dog. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and probably Katie and, and dog I've got now for red. Yep. And um, I've heard you mention before, we've spoken pretty openly before over the last few years, and you mentioned there about boss was nearly human. And you said things like sometimes you would think something and that dog would, would do it before you even, or would just yeah. automatically do it? Yeah, he's a pretty, he's a brilliantly smart dog, that fella. Um, during the drought, we, had, we were feeding a lot of pregnant ewes and 
he'd run a trailer feed out and they were getting down on the trail and uh, you'd have to go along after you'd fed them and get, pick the ones up that had got on their side and he, he could actually, he'd go along and he'd grab them gently on the top knot or the, or the jowl and pull back on them and get them on their front feet and stand them up for you. And I've never had another dog that could do something like that. He just, he, he, he watched me get a few up and then he started going along in front, lifting them up for me. So, yeah, no, he, he did some pretty special things. Uh, that's cool, mate. Um, we've actually got a question here from Peter Rutherford. Uh, Capri Boss is one of the most influential sires in the Kelpie breed. Can you describe what he was like and what traits he's had? What traits he had that was so appealing to a range of breeders across paddock, yard and cattle lines of Kelpies? Uh, yeah, Boss, like, you said, like I say, he was a special dog. I, I, he had... He, he, he had a great ability to drive and hold his sheep at the same time. Um, he didn't have tremendous cover, but he didn't have to. Sheep moved off him well, and he, he had nice, he could work up close, and sheep moved off him well. He, he uh, worked cattle well, he, but he was a very smart dog. He was a great mustering dog and worked goats or cattle or sheep, and, and you could put him in any situation. He, he never, ever had any malice. Uh, he was not a, never was a biter, um, and yeah, he's just a really, he's a lovely pup, very smart, and uh, uh, more or less, uh, was no trouble to break in, and showed a lot of qualities that, that I like in a dog, he, he, he ticked a lot of boxes for me. So, do you yeah. want to tell us a little bit about the current team you've got at the moment? Um, yeah, I've got... My main work dogs are Red. Uh, he's a lovely dog. He's a ugly as sin, but so am I. <laughs> but he's, a, he's he's just a really nice dog. He's yeah, the kids. He loves kids. He loves uh, as part of the family. The, the all my grandkids so uh, really get on well with him, and he's he doesn't get tied up much. He he's got his own chair out the back veranda there. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's just a good dog. He's, you can do any job with him, and he always gives you 100%. No matter what you try to do, he'll uh, he'll give you 100%. He casts well, and he can work one sheep or a mob. And, yeah, works cattle well. Just just a really nice dog to have around. Got a question here from Chris Egan. He says, um, "Are you still seeing new traits in your pups, or does everything you see in them relate back to a certain dog in their pedigree?" Uh, I sometimes see some things that I don't like, <laughs> but I can't blame on any other dogs. But yeah, no, I, 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 my litters that I get that I've, my special litters particularly, um, I, I can see lots of traits for my older dogs in them. Uh, I've, I was probably lucky enough or smart enough to put some semen away from dogs like Boss and Tar uh, um, another young dog that I had called Bo. Um, and yeah, and, and I've brought that back in now and I can see traits of those old dogs that have been dead for 10 or 12 years now in, in these little puppies that I've got. Um, and it's very satisfying to see them. Um, so I, I really, yeah, I, 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 I like to think that uh, 
if if you've got plenty of closely related ancestors there, um, and there's not too many faults in those, or what I, I, I other people might call them faults, but I but if I if I've got the things that I like in a plenty of close up ancestors, I'll have a litter there that uh, I can take any pup and and I'll be pretty happy with what I end up with. How do you go about picking a bitch to use that semen that you've got from those particular dogs? Um, yeah, because it's just pretty worthy to you. I haven't got much there to use, and I've had to be pretty careful about selecting dogs that I wanted to use. I used Sophie uh, with some boss semen, and that produced a dog called Pride that shows he has a lot of uh, old bosser skills. He's not. Uh, He's not probably not as smart as Boss, but he's he's very stock wise. Uh, has a lovely handle on stock. Uh, knows uh, how much pressure or how little pressure he needs to use, and, and he's very wise with it. He's for a young dog. He's he's very very complete dog, I reckon. Uh, I just wish he was in the mould of Boss in the mind because uh, he'd be a very good dog then. But he just his work skills are outstanding. His nature's good, um, and uh, yeah, he, he was out of Sophie. I, I, I particularly uh, thought she would suit Boss because she uh, uh, she had uh, plenty of uh, footwork and cover, and Boss lacked a bit of footwork. He was a pretty big dog, and uh, like I said, he didn't have to cover a lot because he had a lot of presence and sheep moved off him well, but. Uh, Sophie had very nice footwork and um, strong and the right, very nice type of bitch. So that's why the, the pedigrees lined up pretty good. And, and I think Pride um, was uh, that sort of proved to me that was a good way to use that um, semen. And I've, I've used Pride over a couple of bitches and I really like his progeny. They're, they're very much in the same mould as, as the boss pups were. Yep. Uh, yeah, and and with uh, the other the other AI dog that I used was was Bo, and I selected uh, a, a Sophie daughter for him, and uh, yeah, those pups look good too. I, I'm happy with those, and I've kept a pretty nice bitch out of that AI mating as well. Uh, question here from Ted Rutherford: Having been a very successful and influential Kelpie stud for several decades, what level of importance do you place on your bitch lines? And what are the most important traits you look for in a brood bitch? For example, what is it about Sophie um, that she has had so many quality pups to such a range of size? Uh, well, yeah, that's um, the females in any breeding program. I feel are a very important uh, part of any whether you're breeding cattle or sheep or dogs or horses, uh, but um, you, you really need to have uh, the female has a big influence on um, your uh, the progeny, uh, and that's why I, I people ask me why I use a certain dog. He probably you know he might not be everybody's cup of tea, and I put him over a bitch, and people say, "Well, why would you use that dog?" Uh, and I. He, he 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 just he, he has some little thing that I want to put in uh, that line, and I know because 
Sophie's a very closely bred bitch. Um, she goes back to all my good old dogs and <clears throat> apples don't fall far from the tree. If, you, if you've got a, a nice tight um, genetic pool there with your bitches that you can, you can use a mongrel dog and get reasonable pups. But if you've got a, a bitch that's not strongly bred by means what I mean strongly bred is uh, she doesn't have some common ancestors, good common ancestors close up in the pedigree. Uh, the chances of using an outside dog and getting predictable progeny are very slim. Did that answer your question or not? Yeah, I'm still trying to digest it. It's <laughs> uh, something I've been thinking of a lot about uh, recently myself. So, yeah, uh, totally makes sense. I think you actually just answered um, somebody else's question that come up there because they've asked a similar question and they've just come back scratch that. So um, <laughs> you answered a couple of questions there, mate, which is good. So has the type of dog you look for varied from where you started? No. The, one of the most, what the one of the, the dog that influenced me the most um, to try and breed a work style like it was a dog called Baron Bogey Mac. He was a, he had a, <clears throat> he had the three traits that really make a, a dog must have to be a, a good dog. He had cover and hold and strength. And uh, I, I was lucky enough to have an elite daughter by Mac and that was lucky. She had those three main traits, um, hold, drive and strength. And she put that into a progeny. And, and so I, I more or less um, used, used that work style and that criteria and didn't waver from it. I've, I've, I've introduced plenty of outside dogs, but I've always had plenty of Mac and Lucky Blood in the close up in that pedigree so that they didn't overshadow what I already had. So I, if I introduced a dog to get something, he had to have that trait and have no dogs too close in the pedigree that I didn't like. I never use a dog that shows traits that I don't like. It wouldn't matter how, what he won or how good he was. If he had dogs close up in the pedigree that I didn't consider were good dogs, I wouldn't put him in my dogs. So that, that's just the criteria that I've always had. I've always looked for, for traits to improve my dogs, but it's very hard to find them with a pedigree that I also approve of. You um, you live and breathe dogs other than family and, and your dragons there. Have you ever been, <laughs> ever been tempted or thought about going in another direction and then went, no, that's not for me. I, I want to stay where I'm going. Not really, no. I've, I, I, I like my dogs and I like, I, I, I don't see any reason to, I've never ever been influenced by what other people said. I've, I'm yeah. just headed. <laughs> so, I, I, I never really cared what, what people said about my dogs and I've had plenty of detractors, but I've never, that, that never worried me. I've always only ever bred dogs to suit myself and, yeah. and I, I like the traits that I have in my dogs. They suit me, and and I I can see to them what what I've strived for and tried to keep that line. And um, like the like I said, forty odd years I've been breeding those dogs, and I can look back and see traits of those dogs I started with. 
you mentioned one of your traits. We've spoken about traits a lot there. And we've got a question from Carl Schubert. Uh, when talking strength, what defines strength to you? Strength is the ability to uh, um, stay in the pocket, to put it simply. When, 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 there's a, uh, when you're working livestock, there'll always be a point uh, where the dog needs to be to hold the pressure. And any dog that avoids that or doesn't stay there when he needs to is not a strong dog. I use that criteria when I'm selecting a pup. Any pup that I start, he has to have those three things. He has to want to drive and hold, and he has to have strength. He has to show me that he's got his tail down and he can walk into livestock. Any any pup that doesn't take ground when you introduce him to sheep, I don't, I, he's not the sort of pup I like. Um, most pups fall into about three categories. They, they, they want to run and chase, or they want to arc and hold, or they want to drive and hold. And I like that third category. I like them to take charge of their sheep. I like a pup that, that takes ground off his sheep. And uh, I find that if a dog, although he looks pretty, a pup that arcs, and holes and doesn't step towards his sheep probably is not the pup for me. What advice would you give to someone purchasing their first pup or dog? Um, that's pretty easy. Have a look at the mother and the father. Don't believe what people tell you. Don't believe what you read. Have a decide what sort of work you want to do and have a look at the mother and the father. And if they don't do the work that you want, or would expect that pup to do, don't buy the pup. But picking a pup, I get past everywhere I go, how do you pick a pup? Sometimes I pick my pups 12 months before they're born. <laughs> the mother and the father and the close up ancestors in that pedigree are the most important criteria to picking a pup. So, uh, you know, if, if uh, like I said before earlier, apples don't fall far from the tree if you want them. If you want a particular type of dog to work in a particular style and you look at the parents and they don't exhibit those traits, there's very little chance, unless you're a super trainer, that the pup is going to do that for you. How, talking about training there, like how much, um, how much influence, like obviously, you know, you, you said before, you never see a dog at a trial and will pick it. You always want to see it at work and whatnot. Um, from what I'm gathering here, you want to see more of a natural dog rather than a dog that you're training. You did mention a good temperament before, but you yeah, want to see something yeah. more natural than trainable. Yeah, tra training is really, it's, it's just about respect. And uh, if you've got a well-bred pup and you have his respect and he has yours, he's easy to train. Um, if the pup has lesser skills and uh, it's hard to win his respect, He's hard to train, but I I don't I have very few failures with pups I keep. I, I and if it probably my fault if I have a failure with them. But if, if training to me is just all about respect, and I can usually tell if uh, a trainer has the respect of his dogs and what sort of respect that is, whether it's uh, a respect from fear or respect from um, like. Yeah. 
Are there any particular traits you'd like to put into your line moving forward? Oh, I'd like them to be perfect. <laughs> Anybody who's bred livestock of any description knows that there's no such thing as the perfect animal. Um, I, I always admire the traits of many other dogs, but uh, and say, but I don't necessarily want them want to change what I've got. I the dogs that I got I have now suit me temperament wise and and work wise, and I, I just uh, I, I don't believe in changing uh, or veering too far off course with whatever I'm breeding. I like to I like to try strive to breed something that I like and uh, and and do my best and endeavour to succeed. Third question here from Chris Egan. Can I please have Toss? <laughs> mate, um, we spoke a lot about um, your, you know, your breeding and your pups, mate. How do you go about starting a pup? Uh, yeah, I, I like to show the puppies early, um, have a look at sheep, but it, when I when they actually start to work and show me the little traits that I can use later on in their training, uh, I usually put them away then. I don't, once upon a time, I'd like to train them as much as I could, as often as I could, yeah. uh, get them broken in as quick as I could. But these days, um, I don't know whether I'm getting smarter or lazier, but I, I like to, I like the pups to see sheep and, and show me things I like and, and I don't give them much opportunity to work. I like to take them with me. I like to have them around me and get used to me and and know me. And uh, yeah, and then I at six or seven months, I'll usually start their training and that just uh, starts with a few, few quiet sheep. And I start in a smaller area where I've got control of the sheep and the dog. And, and once they can handle those sheep, I'll take them out in the paddock and uh, they can follow me around with the, the sheep. And if, if the pup, if you have respect, the pup respects you and you respect the pup and you can call him off sheep outside, it's not long before you can take him to work and, and uh, it's just training on the job then. Do you have any expectations at, that, at that six or seven months or do you just try and put your expectations to the side and take it for what it is? Yeah, no. I, I, people often say to me, oh, this, this pup's not working. And my advice to them is, if he's not working, he's not doing too much wrong. I'd rather have a pup not working than one that's got faults that I don't like in a pup. I'd, I'll give him a chance to start working and show me, show me what he's got. And I'll, if I see little weaknesses, I'll try and help him. Uh, and if I see uh, strengths, I'll try and build, build uh, on them and, and try and help him if he's got a, Most pups are left or right-handed, the same as you or I. So they have a strong side and a weak side, and if you work on the weaker side, sometimes can become almost their stronger side. If if you take away the the favourite side for a little bit, they can uh, compensate and even up. And yeah, so training is just uh, but training is more about identifying um, the traits you have and how to use them. A lot of people try to make a silk purse out of a sow's ear and, and with lots of bells and whistles, 
that look pretty fancy, but the dog needs to be able to do those things without the bells and whistles. I, I'm, I'm not, don't class myself as a great trainer. I, I, I sometimes let the dogs do the talking for me. Uh, question here from Tom Brody. How much training do you do with a pup before putting them into a work situation and what age does this commonly happen? I, I like to have um, nice sides on a puppy. Um, like I say, I, I like to start them at six or seven months old and I'll take them through to about 10 months old, just getting um, pretty nice, a nice stop and sides and not much more than that, as long as I've got a nice call on them, can get them, call them to me. Um, that's the most important thing. And then I'll, I'll start giving them, say 10 months, Light, light jobs around the place, uh, bringing in sheep, I'll muster them up. I, I never ask a young dog to cast out with older dogs or things like that. Always casting to me is a very important trait that you need to spend more time with young dogs and and don't uh, don't have them running out with older dogs and things like that. I like to have plenty of time to teach um, cast outside on, on a mob and things like that. But as far as bringing sheep in, and um, it's very easy uh, to me to, once I've got the basics on my pups, to take them to work and know that I'm not going to get into any too much trouble with them. So about ten months is uh, I usually like to have them started in just general light duties. What age do you find that commonly happens, or just varies with each dog? It varies with each dog. Some, some pups are more mature at 10 months and, than others. Uh, it, it's a bit like yard work. I don't like to rush uh, pups into yard work. Um, old Jack Body once said to me, if a dog can't get the sheep in the yard, he's never going to be my yard dog for me. So he, 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 he more or less said, well, you know, anyone can have a bloody yard dog, but not everybody can get the sheep in the yard. So, yeah. and I, I've, I've sort of stuck to that a little bit. I, I'm, I see people shut all the gates and and uh, hound the sheep and say that's good work. Well, I, I like to be able to put them in the yard nicely first with a pup and then teach him a bit of yard work. Good question here from Ryan Johnson. Um, just in general, do you believe that the Kelpie um, working dogs are headed in the right direction? Um, do you believe that dogs today are as good as or better than the, the, where they used to be? Just in general. In general, more kelpies than used to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's not more better ones, I can assure you. When yeah. I started out, there was uh, teams of very good kelpies. Uh, Ted Gavey, Jack Body, Frank Scanlon. Um, had teams of superior uh, kelpies than a lot that I see today. Um, I, I, uh, that, the, there's there's good kelpies around today, but uh, there's not there's not the number of um, elite dogs that when I started there was there were plenty of uh, dogs that I would call elite dogs around size that um, I could take bitches to, but I find that today um, I <coughs> I struggle to find dogs that would uh, that I would use in a breeding program uh, and that's only a personal thing 
there's there's, uh, there's plenty of good dogs around. Don't don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm not uh, detracting from the quality of the dogs, but just from a personal point of view, um, I, I think there's probably more superior dogs uh, around when I first started. And you mentioned Mac before, so he's, he'd be one of those elite dogs. Well, can you name any, or would you like to talk about any of the others? Oh, Mac was a Mac, Mac was a very good dog, and to me, uh, the most influential dog uh, for my line of dogs, anyway. Um, he wasn't perfect, but I've never had one that was. Uh, but uh, Mac was a was a great. He 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 uh, he set me on the path to breed that, that type of dog that had that ability to come in and cover and hold. And uh, it was a very strong dog. He was by a dog called Marco, it was a really nice dog too. And out of Kay, Kay was a great little bitch. She won uh, at least one National Girl Patrol anyway, but she, she was a very, very nice bitch. Um, so he, he was bred nicely. Um, he probably had his faults too, but uh, like I said, he, he, he genetic, he passed on a lot of very good traits and uh, I was lucky enough to have an elite daughter by him and, and uh, she was very influential in the Kelby breed. So uh, there was there were plenty of good dogs around like Glen Logie Rex. Glenville Tex was a very good dog. Um, and uh, yeah, Ted Rutland had, uh, had a, a pack of very good Kelpies, big upstanding, nice types of dogs and, and really good work dogs. So there were there were plenty of good, good uh, of those older sires, but if I was to pick one that was the most influential dog, um, or the Kelpies, the, the the Kelpies that I like coming through, uh, I couldn't go past Baron Bogey Mac. Yep. Question here from Amanda Dunbar: Do you think there are less elite dogs because people give up on them too early? Or because we rely more on motorbikes than dogs for long distance paddock work. I'm sure. I'm sure that uh, back when I first uh, uh, started with dogs, and that's a long time ago. <laughs> um, I, I sort of the people did everything with their dogs at, on farms. No motorbikes and horses, yes, but uh, and all the work was done with dogs. A, a uh, so dogs got a, a lot more chance to display their, their, their wares and there were a lot more um, stockmen who um, really had to rely on the dogs. So they, they were really uh, a different type of dog than what you see today. A lot of, a lot of the dogs today are like ute or motorbike dogs, um, just, a, just different dogs. And I guess it's horses for courses. We, we must move with the times, but um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sure that that's the reason there's not more better dogs around today than there used to be. How much time do you put in the training? Is most of it done on a job or you spoke before about, you know, you take a dog back out when it's six, seven months. But do you want to, yeah, can you elaborate on that for us a little bit, please? <laughs> uh, I don't a lot of training. Um, I seem to these days have a lot of a uh, lot of other things going on so but i like quality time with pups i like to see every time i take a pup into the training pen i like to see a little step forward in his training 
it's not how much time, it's how good a quality time you spend with that pup. Uh, if I've sort of learnt that uh, rather than spend a lot of, have a lot of, lot of lessons, long lessons, um, short lessons where you can advance on what you did the time before are much more beneficial. So I just read another question then, but just on that there, you know, sometimes you hear like it's one step forward, two steps back. You believe that's from a bit of overtraining and high expectations? Um, yeah, well, if, if, a, if you have problems with, uh, with a pup at some stage, if he's, if he's doing things that he wasn't doing when you started him, um, probably better not look at the pup, you're probably doing it yourself. So yeah. have a good look at what you're doing. Um, and, and sometimes pups will get that if, if a pup hits a spot where he's losing interest, um, my advice is, yeah, take him away from the training and give him, take him with you and take him out fencing and give him another job. Don't, don't, don't persist with training, um, and make, make him a slave to training. Having been, I, I like, I like to have, I don't like a dog to pull me along on the lead, but I like a dog that wants to pull me along into that training pen. Um, I know I know when I get there, um, if the dog is in the right frame of mind, if I've got to drag him into the pen, I'm probably not going to let him go. Quite often I'll, put a, I'll take a pup in to start training and if his attitude's not right, I'll just walk around through the sheep and I'll, I'll, I won't let him off the lead. We'll just, we'll just have a bit of time there and, and watch the sheep and I'll call him over to me and sit him and give him a pat and take him away. Because I, if his attitude's not right and you let him go and he doesn't do what you want, you, you, you're putting yourself in a situation where you'll have a confrontation with the pup. And like I said, training's about respect. And if, if he loses that respect for you or you lose respect for him, it'll put your training back. So try and, try and keep your training um, to, a, to a minimum and try and have a make a little step forward every time. And if you can't, at least finish where you were last time without putting too much pressure on the pup. So what is feel for you and how does that come out across in a dog? Oh, I feel something that uh, only the dog has or hasn't. It, uh, like if, if, uh, if you've got a couple of wild sheep, you'll soon see whether your dog's got feel for livestock or not. If you, uh, if you send him out to get them and they run, jump over the fence into the neighbours, well, you know, he hasn't got to feel for a sheep. But uh, <laughs> most pups will, they, they, if they're not confined to too small an area when you start to train them, they'll have a nice distance uh, and they'll have a distance that influences the sheep. Uh, I, and like I said before, I don't like a pup that doesn't step towards his sheep. So if that pup doesn't want to influence the sheep to come to me, then he's not the pup for me. He looks pretty and people think he's a, you know, that's a beautiful pup, look how he heads and holds. But if he doesn't set the woods, his sheep and want to do something with those sheep, then I'd rather someone else trained him. Because I can make a more useful dog out of that one that runs and chases or holds and drives than I can out of that arcing dog that heads and doesn't step towards his sheep. Very well. And, um Got me thinking now. I'm gonna have a hundred questions about that later, but um, for for now we'll keep going, please. 
A yeah. question here from Ken Gardner. Do you have a preference on working either dogs or bitches and why? Uh, no, I don't. I've had I've had a success with uh, bitches and I've had success with dogs as far as trials are concerned. And the, I've had great working bitches and dogs that, that did the work at home. And um, bitches, I find, are... Um, very, uh, how can you put it? They're they're, uh, they're very loyal and and uh, I, I really think that probably they're uh, uh, probably more consistent than dogs. Dogs, like people, I suppose, have uh, <laughs> have other things on their mind sometimes. <laughs> but, um, but a bitch, yeah, the the I really have had some really nice bitches that always gave you 100% and never were distracted by anything. And I've had some really good dogs that sometimes they were put off by some of the surroundings and things. And yeah, I, I think probably bitches might be a bit more level headed than dogs sometimes. How about just having um, a few different dogs around the home? And I, like, how do you find that works with your pack having, you know, several dogs around? Does it, do you find it at some time like that testosterone? I think I got that word wrong, but anyways, you want the idea. Um, levels get a bit up there, and how do you go about handling that? Yeah, they, they do. I, I, dogs are well. Everybody sort of realizes they're a pack animal, and and it and so I, I all my dogs get to run together every few days. They get to run in the big yard, and I don't allow any fighting. Uh, they have to get on with one another, and that I like to put the older dogs in with those young dogs, and and see how the the older dogs teach them respect. Yeah. Uh, the 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 boss dog will usually he'll you put him in the yard there. He doesn't like going in because he doesn't have to go in the yard anyway. He knows he can do what he likes, but he, he'll sit there, and and the and the more submissive dogs will come up and want to lick his face and. And want him to play, and he'll if he's a if he's tolerant, he'll he'll uh, he'll just uh, yeah get along with them. Uh, but I, I never like I never like bullies or dogs that are aggressive towards other dogs. And I, I try and um, instill that in them when they're puppies. I, I don't like puppies fighting over food. Uh, so if if I've got a bully in in a litter of pups, I always take it away and feed it separately. Yeah. Question here from Pete Rutherford. What are your thoughts on repeat matings? For example, what were you looking for when repeating the Glenfarber Kenny and Katie joining several times? Um, there was a time when I'd never do a repeat mating. I, I, I was of the opinion that you always got the best progeny from the first mating of two, two but uh, then as uh, I got... Uh, a little bit older and a little bit wiser, I realised there wasn't a lot of difference, and ge the genetics were the same. Um, so, if I did a mating that worked, and I liked the progeny, I, I like to try and back it up. And I got a couple of very good dogs out of the first Kenny Katie mating, and uh, when I joined the second time, I got Sophie. So that's the proof of the pudding. Um, there's no, there's no difference in. I would have uh, argued with people 20 years ago that you never should never do the same mating again, but 
Um, I wasn't very smart then. I'm pretty smart now. <laughs> there you go. I'll put a bit, of a, a bit of a spin on it, right? Do you say, for example, you got a, a couple and a, they're younger and they have a child, and then when they're older and they have another child, they're a bit more experienced and you know they've been there before and they might have been a little bit wiser. Do you see any difference in breeding dogs that are older? Like if you were to do a repeat um, mating further down the track, do you see a difference in the pups compared to the pups of the first one? Um, no, not, not really. Um, I agree with what you said because I'm a much better grandfather than I was a father. <laughs> 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 but yeah, no, I, I reckon uh, I, I don't see a lot of difference. I, I, I think uh, so, sometimes pe people tell me that uh, as dogs get older, they lose their potency and the progeny aren't as good. I haven't experienced that. And I've, I've used like uh, that boss semen that's 15, 16 years old and, and I consider pride a, a, a good dog from, from semen from an old dog that's 15 years on since it was collected. So, yeah. A uh, question here from Rebecca Cooper. How do you go about training the pup that is maybe too keen to move her cattle and gets in too tight? Um, yeah, that, that, that's a good question. Um, with, with cattle, I've got uh, pretty hard, fast rules with young dogs and cattle. I don't, uh, I don't like introducing my dogs to cattle till they're uh, 10 or 11 months old. Uh, I've had too many nice pups that have uh, had injuries or I've even lost them by putting them on cattle too early. Um, I like to get a good handle on my pups before I put them on cattle. I like to be able to stop them and move them uh, so that they don't get in a situation where they get hurt. And I always start my young dogs on wiener cattle. They're, they're learning and the pup's learning and there's a few kicks and a few bites and everything's worked out fine. But you, if you put young dogs on experienced cattle, it's a recipe for disaster. The uh, young dogs don't understand that cattle don't mean to to uh, just uh, palm you off, they mean to kill you. So uh, it's, it's a, to me, uh, very important that you start young dogs on young cattle and you get a good handle on them. They learn to um, handle, handle their cattle and stay out of that zone where they can get injured and be able to be put in when they need to be uh, in a safe situation. But young dogs tend to run alongside fences behind cattle and get kicked and all sorts of things that if you put them in a situation with calves, um, young wiener cattle, they can do that and, and it's not life-threatening. But uh, always remember that uh, you've got a long time in front of you with a dog. It, it pays to be cautious when you start them and give them every opportunity to reach their potential. So how long have you been trialing for? Uh, I think I went to my first trial about 1970 something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, too long ago to remember. Um, yeah, I've, I've been trialing for a while anyway. And why are you trial, mate? What, what got you hooked? Oh, I just, I always, like I said, I always a bit dog mad. So I, I liked, uh, I liked to go out and have a, 
have a crack at something different. So I, I started to do a few trials and, and, and I was lucky that I came along on the scene when yard trialling and utility trialling was kicking off. So uh, it, it, it became, um, I, I really enjoyed, uh, I started off with doing a few three sheep trials, which I wasn't very good at. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, I, I got a bit of a, a hammering early on, but it, it didn't hurt me. It made me um, have a good look at my dogs and how I handle them and, and uh, look for a different, a little different type of dog. And, and so, like I said, I, I, I started trialling when yard trials and utility trials started up. So uh, it was good to see how they developed and how the dogs developed. And, and um, I reckon they were a real early on, they, they improved the standard of um, dog handlers and dogs uh, right across the tablelands area here uh, tenfold. In, in a few years, uh, when, I first, when I went to the first uh, um, organised yard trial, um, I think there were only three dogs there that actually get up on the backs of sheep. And they weren't, yeah. they weren't proficient backers by any means. I had one of them. <laughs> and uh, it was a bit of a circus of trick that I taught him. Uh, but <laughs> I, I, it, it really helped. Uh, there was a lot of young people there who I saw develop into really good handlers and, and their dogs develop. And it's been very satisfying to me to see how the utility trials and, and yard trials uh, developed the handler skills of a lot of people. How did yard trolling kick off, mate? What was what was the thought behind that? No, <clears throat> oh, I think people like me probably got a bit of a cane from three sheeping. So <laughs> 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 they, they decided, uh, yeah, um, to try and look for a more practical trial that farmer could bring his old dog in. That that was that was the thing that really struck me is that I, I saw a lot of farmers there that just bought their their farm dog into when we first started yard trialling and got around and they were they were ecstatic they thought they thought it was pretty good that they could actually go to a dog trial and get the sheep around um so yeah i i uh i'm not sure of um the uh who who had the first trial or where it was or whatever but i know armadale and burrower and and myself I uh, had a had a couple of trials at, at Trunky Creek and Burrick. <laughs> I kept I've been reminded of by some of my older friends. Uh, one one at one particular the first one we had at Trunky Creek, the the back gate on the ranching race wasn't all that good. Uh, and every time I see this particular mate, he reminds me of how his dog would have won if the gate, <laughs> if the gate hadn't have come off. So. <laughs> but, Things have improved a little since then, and uh, yeah, that was uh, that's going back a fair few years ago. So I I, I think that uh, yeah, it, the yard trialing and utility trialing certainly uh, saw a great um, uh, step forward in dog handling and dog skills, and with the younger generation especially. Is there a favourite trial you have to participate in? Ah, favourite trial. Um, uh, I guess uh, I like my local trials. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like going up to Armadale. I've 
I started off up, up there with uh, a bit of success. I took Lucky up and won a novice up there, and that's probably among my best best wins, I reckon. I won the first really... Uh, I, I learnt that I could be competitive, and not because I had skill, but she had skill. She, the, the sheep that, that, that particular time, I think it was 19, maybe 84, um, and... Uh, the sheep were very hard to get off the truck. They had a truck and it was loaded very tightly and you had to uh, had to bring them down a pretty steep little ramp and they just didn't want to come off. And uh, I was pretty green and I didn't have a lot of stock sense, but Lucky did, fortunately. And uh, she, uh, I sent her into the truck and I was standing at the gate and. I only just had it open and she came up and top-knotted the sheep that was looking out and my sheep ran off the truck and uh, that was more or less what won me the trial, but it wasn't my, it wasn't my skill, it was hers. Uh, I, I was pretty nervous and uh, dry in the mouth, but as long as I kept the gates open, she kept the sheep going. So uh, that was one of the a trial that I rated among probably my most memorable. Talking about um, winning the uh, novice at Armadale, you were lucky enough to do that again last year with Katie. Yeah. Mate, you want to tell us about her two novice wins that she's had, mate? Yeah, that's right. She's she's uh, she's probably one of very very few dogs that will uh, probably emulate her accomplishments, having won two Australian novices. But she, when, when bringing that up, uh, she works exactly the same as when Lady Lucky. She's a she's a carbon copy of the work style of Mac and Lucky. And 20 odd years on, uh, that gives me a lot of satisfaction to be able to see um, those traits still in my dogs. Wow, that's fantastic. And it goes back to, and hats off to your breeding program as well. Oh, uh, well, I, I, like I said, I, I don't claim to be a, a great breeder or anything. And I never ever set out to breed dogs commercially. I've always only ever wanted to breed dogs for myself. I never did a mating that I didn't consider was good enough to keep pups myself. I, I didn't do the mating sort of thing, so yeah. What do you feel is your greatest achievement so far? Well, I don't know. I think uh, probably my family is my greatest achievement. Uh, all my babies and their babies, but uh, as far as dogs are concerned um, yeah just having had some nice dogs and I've got a lot of good memories there and I really uh, I like my dogs and I've had some special dogs that that I had a connection with and I'm pretty that, that's probably the greatest achievement I could say that uh, yeah I've had dogs that I respected and they respected me. When you um, started out um, you mentioned you, you were young there, and was there anyone that stood out for you and uh, inspired you to uh, well, one one with dogs, but then two the trial? Yeah, I, I really I liked uh, quite a few. Um, Jack Body was was a great handler, and he really loved his dogs. I reckon if I came back as a dog, I'd want to be one of Jack. Yeah, <laughs> he, uh, he actually sewed. Blanket inside the collars of his dogs so they wouldn't rub, rub their necks. Oh wow! <laughs> Things like that. He, he was a he was a lovely 
lovely handler of dogs, very kind man, and uh, had lovely, big, upstanding, strong dogs. Uh, Ted Gaby was another good, really good handler with good dogs. Um, and yeah, we, well, fellas like Steve Wayman, uh, really good handler and had some had some good dogs. But there's uh, lots of lots of good handlers, Johnny White, and, uh, people that I looked up to. Is there something that you see handlers struggle with, and where do you believe they can improve? Um, yeah, I, I, I struggle with uh, watching some people work dogs uh, because I. I, I'm, I'm of that mould that's very hard to change uh, and what some people consider good work these days I don't and yep. so I, I struggle to to come to grips with the way some people work their dogs and on livestock I, I, I think you need to have an appreciation for what you're working and have respect for your livestock and sometimes unfortunately I, I find it hard to to uh, see the way some people work their dogs and treat their livestock. Have you noticed a change in the way people handle their dogs and livestock? Like you mentioned there that you, you don't like to see it because you, you, know, you don't like the way they treat it, but have you seen a, a shift in recent years? There's less skilled, uh, skilled stockmen today than there used to be. There's um, more people um, who don't uh, don't read this stock as well? Uh, I think that's what just a personal. Opinion. Oh, I think probably uh, everybody's in a hurry these days. Yeah. So um, rather than work their stock, they're they're forcing their their stock to move faster than I see. Plenty of videos of people working cattle and the cattle are trotting or running. That to me is not. Good stockmanship. You should be able to go out and muster your cows up, and they should walk back to the to the yard, not trot or run. Um, and thing, just just things like that. I guess I'm I'm probably old and cranky, but <laughs> things like that don't don't I don't appreciate. While we're down that line, uh, is there a message you'd like to get out into the livestock industry? Uh, I'm probably not one to. Give messages to the livestock. Or, or your own opinion, like whatever it be, you know, treating your stock better or about your your dogs or. Yeah, I I I, I just think that uh, um, livestock handling generally um, is probably uh, not not as uh, as well taught these days as it should be. People don't uh, work their stock. Uh, as well as they should, like I said. But these days, people always seem to be in a hurry when they go to do something. So yep. I guess that probably reflects on the way they handle their stock. You think that reflects on the way they handle their dogs as well, and the way they exactly. put could possibly look after their dogs? Exactly, yep. And people in a hurry, like um, people get in a hurry with their dogs. That's the thing that I think that I see the most. They expect too much from immature dogs. Um, they, 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 a dog really needs to grow up, and, and like any, like a, like a child, he needs to mature and grow into a, a young adult without too much pressure to fulfil his potential.
away from dogs, is there a hobby or talent no one really knows about? No, I haven't got many talents. Um, I'm probably uh, pretty good with electronics and things like that, as Daniel would probably know. <laughs> no, I'm not. I hate computers. I was going to say, it's not with picking a football team, I can tell you that. <laughs> no, everybody makes fun of me. I've, I've got extensive records for my sheep and, and my cattle, and I still carry that notebook with me and write things down, and I've got... I've got notebooks full of uh, pedigrees and things, and uh, people say, "Oh, why don't you put put it on the computer? Why don't you do this?" But uh, yeah, I'm just like I said, I'm too old now to <laughs> change my ways. So yeah, no, I don't have any any particular skills. I I'm just uh, I I like I like to think that I'm a reasonable farmer and yeah, and a good neighbour and yeah. No, very well. So never too old, mate, but if it's uh, not broken, why fix it, right? That's right. <laughs> and, and obviously, I know that, um, you know, you haven't had a lot of exposure to dog talk, and um, but we've spoken about what we're doing and what we've tried to do it. Have you got any suggestions for us of, you know, things you'd like to, what, what we can do to, or any suggestions at all, really? Yeah, well, like I said, I... I'm pretty uh, ignorant when it comes to these sort of things. Uh, I, I don't, yeah, you know, I, I love what you're doing here and I, I probably should should be following it. Like, But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think getting people on and getting different opinions and, uh, yeah, having, 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 getting someone else's ideas always healthy. Uh, nobody has got all the answers. There's no such a thing as a perfect dog or a perfect trainer. Or I haven't met them anyway. There is, so uh, yeah. I think the more more ideas you can get from from uh, a cross section of of uh, people, not not necessarily trial people. There's plenty of good stockmen out there that um, would be good to interview and, and hear about their experiences with dogs and in real work situations and things. Uh, thank you. Is there anyone you'd like to see us do a Q and A with? Um, yeah, I didn't have to think long on this one. I reckon Steve Wayman would be great. Steve's a very, uh, very knowledgeable man with dogs and he's seen a lot of old dogs that the younger generation haven't seen. And, um, and he's had some, like he, he had Baron Bogie Mac that I rate as probably the most influential dog um, in the line of Kelpies that I like anyway. So I reckon Steve would be great to have on and have you on too. Right, thank you. And uh, I'm sure I've had a chat with Steve and uh, I'm sure I'll uh, get into his ear a bit more and uh, when he's ready, he'll jump on and have a chat to us. That'd be good. Uh, so at that time of night, Chris, there's a few questions thrown at you there. Was there a particular question that stood out to you at all? I like uh, Cooper's question about the cattle introducing that dog that wanted to get in too close and go mm -hmm. too hard on the cattle. I, I think that, that that's something that uh, dogs that are bred for cattle probably do a little bit. They want to get in close and, and go a bit hard, but Rebecca needs to pull back a dog a little bit and uh, yeah, get a little bit more handle so that she's got uh, a little bit more handle on the dog and not let it get in a situation where it where it's getting in too close and getting revving up the cattle too much. 
just get a little bit more handle on the pup. Well, Rebecca, send us a message and we'll get that uh, dog food off to you. Get the bag of Injera Plus coming your way. So it's come to uh, the pointy end of the question here, Chris. I'm sure you've uh, been thinking about this one the last few days, and I'll hand you over to Laura. Would you rather buy one duck the size of a horse or 20 horses the size of ducks? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's a question that uh, has uh, had me baffled a little bit, but uh, I think I'd, I'd go for the, the 20 dogs the size of ducks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, Chris, thank you very much for your time tonight. Uh, much appreciated. Um, we uh, we know you're normally a bit of a modest, humble man, and keep you know like don't like to keep yourself a bit. They like to talk about yourself. Um, so really, thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for coming out and having a chat with us, mate. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. Enjoyed the night. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for all our listeners um, out there tonight. We'd like to wish you all a merry Christmas and a happy new year. Um, and we'll see you again on Tuesday, the 18th of January. And remember, the day we stop learning will be a sad day for all of us. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Good night. Thank you.